Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Book Cheat, the book club podcast where I've read the book, so we look at one of the classics and joining me to look at such a classic this week it's one of my best friends in the whole entire world from confessions of the idiots it's mr sam peterson oh my goodness well i doth my tip to you dave <laughs> warnock oh it's gonna be another highbrow one Oh, I don't know what that means exactly, but I am doffing it to you, sir. Sam? Yes, I'm very well read. I love your tip. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you should say that. Uh, pardon, Vicar. Um, I'm very good at euphemisms, if you need any. I can, I, can, I can give you as many euphemisms as you need. Thank you so much. Uh, Sammy, it's great to see your face over Zoom. Sadly, we uh, still are in lockdown in Melbourne. How are you finding your time? Oh my goodness. I tell you what, I'm absolutely loving it because this is the only time when I don't do anything and I read and I watch things. I've started on a TV show. It is a cartoon and I'm not usually into cartoons, Dave. Oh, Dragon Ball Z? Not Dragon Ball Z. It is a little known show called The Simpsons. (laughs) And oh boy, oh boy, there is some funny stuff in there some of the characters are unbelievable oh my, oh my goodness that, what's the one with the blue hair what's her name the one with, that's bart simpson <laughs> oh, yes. and she is hilarious <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, i follow it very well i'm obviously i'm very quick with it i get it i get all the jokes you're doing everything. a lot of a lot of cooking while you're watching so you're not really watching much. Of, <laughs> yeah. but but marge you know, she is she is fantastic. She's a small daughter that never talks. And it is, oh my goodness, it is a funny, funny show, Dave. Now, let me just ask, where have you decided to start the watch from? From the top? Well, season one. Yeah, yeah I've, I've decided to go all the way back and do all the classics. I read an article. Yeah, that's it, right. I read, baby. Uh, <laughs> and it was an article called The 50 Best Episodes of The Simpsons. And so I looked at it and I went, hey, they start. This sounds like I've really done a deep dive. I, I've always known that it's one to eight that are the best, but it looks like I've mapped it out on Butcher's, on butcher's paper and I've, I've written the whole thing out. But it's not a really complicated system. Basically, I'm watching one to eight and the episodes in there are the absolute classics. So oh, Monorail, Who Killed Mr. Burns, it is so, so funny. So Honestly, you just named two of my favourite episodes of all time right then. I can keep going because I remember at your birthday once yes. we had a you hired an entire cinema because for listeners that don't know Dave is absolutely rolling in absolutely it. very well and to do the Mr Burns of the podcasting world thank you so much you absolutely are and yeah you hired out this um this little this little uh, bar that had a cinema out the back and we ended up watching all night great Simpsons episodes and there are some of the funniest episodes in there. And, and I've, I've rewatched a lot of those that you had played that night. And there's something really nice about going back and watching all of them and, and not understanding some of the jokes that you didn't get when you were oh, growing up. I love when you suddenly get one. You're like, oh, I get that reference now. Love that. Yeah. And it's, it's always, a, it's always a, um, a, and I don't know what the rating of this podcast is, David, but it's always a, a sort of a, an intercourse-based joke. Um, oh, yes. Now you can go... Oh, I'm on board. I get mm. this. And now, like, I, I'm 29 years old and I kind of felt a bit smug the other day when I got a sex joke. <laughs> oh, interesting. I was kind of like, oh, I've I get heard it. Of that yeah. now. <laughs> I am well aware. I've read about this online a lot. <laughs> so I'm certainly up to speed on all the sexual stuff. But, oh, um, fantastic. Oh, yeah, I've read a lot. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so at the moment, it is lockdown for me. Like, you know, I love swimming, can't do that right now. So. I am Daily Walk. I am Simpsons on a lunch break. I'm Simpsons to top off my night, to cap off my night. Oh, yeah. And I'm reading a lot of John Ronson right now. Oh, which which John um, Ronson are you currently reading? Right now, I am reading The Psychopath Test. Oh, which yes, I've is had that one Absolutely before. fantastic. 
Yeah, and and before that it was so been publicly shamed and the men who stare at goats. Oh, very good. And do you think you are a psychopath having read that book? Uh, absolutely, yes. I have <laughs> yeah. confirmed and I'm seeking urgent help. Um, but I thought I'd squeeze in a quick podcast just to get ahead of things, you know, just because you probably can't do them in a padded cell. Yeah. Um, what, what about you? What have you been doing entertainment-wise in uh, lockdown? I've been doing a bit of reading too. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. I, I believe you can read. <laughs> yeah. You do a podcast about it, so I imagine you can. Uh, I do a podcast. It's a very elaborate lie pretending I can read, but uh, <laughs> so far so good. I've been watching, uh, the show I've been watching lately is uh, the French uh, show on Netflix, Call My Agent. Have you seen that? Oh, no, I haven't. <laughs> Very funny stuff. Is it? Oh, great. It's okay. funny, but it's also, it's like a comedy drama sort of sort of thing. And uh, yeah, oh. so been really enjoying that. I've been watching quite a bit of French TV this year. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, there's, a, there's an amazing documentary series, and I think it's the best true crime documentary series I've ever seen. Oh, yes. And it is called Making... No, it's not. I imagine it's just called Making a Murder. It's like, I've just discovered it. It's called um, Who Killed Little Gregory? And it is a French television show. And it is a, a limited series made by Netflix. And it is one of the most gripping, incredible shows. And I think because it's French, it just hasn't really been as popular as Making a Murderer sure. and The Jinx and all of these things. It's, oh, The Staircase or all of those. It just hasn't got that same... Maybe because people have to read subtitles, but all of it's dubbed, really. Like, most of it's dubbed. You just sound really smart when you talk to people on Teams in the morning at work and you're like, oh, yeah, I've been um, watching this French <laughs> show. I say it heaps. I was, you get it. Yeah, exactly. I've been watching this French show. You get it. That's exactly why dubbed. I brought it up. I yeah. have never watched a yeah. French show in my life, but uh, much like book cheat, yeah, I just lie about it. And then I'll, oca- then I'll occasionally go... Uh, how you say, how you say. I do a lot of that. I do a lot of that in my meetings now. I go, how you say a murder. How you say a shotgun in Ed. How you say that sort of that sort of stuff. I imagine that's going down really well with the HR department. Oh, 100%. Yep, yep. I'm being investigated, but it's going very well. I love to hear it. Well, something I've been reading a bit of uh, to make myself sound even more pretentious. So. Than watching French TV is for for this mm. week. I've been reading a novel. I've been reading poetry, Sam. Oh my god, I've heard of it. It's a bestseller. You've heard of some Doctor poetry. poetry? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard oh about gosh, it. I, lo- yeah. I love her stuff. I love her stuff. Um, <sighs> no, uh, this is the second ever episode of a little spin-off book cheat podcast called Poetry Cheat. Okay. Okay, poetry treat. Treat. Treat? Yeah. Well, it is, treat. it is a treat. Yeah, it is a treat. It's a treat for everybody involved. And uh, basically, what I've decided to do with this week, I'm experimenting with focusing on one poet, telling you a bit about their mm. life, and then sprink- sprinkling in three poems from different periods in their life throughout. Okay, okay. Just to give now, you a little bit of to, a snapshot. To, to be a poet, do you have to be a writer that just occasionally puts in a rhyme? Like, I, I don't really know what goes into poetry. Well, oh man, there's many different rules if you want to follow them. You might you want to write a haiku, mm. or ah uh, yes, a haiku, or how many stanzas you want to put in. If you want to rhyme, what what rhyming scheme you want? Do you want it to be A B A B or A A B B A A C B? Oh, any sounds fine to me. <laughs> yeah, like you know, I'm not I'm not that hung up on it. But do, do, does a does a poet write in a particular style for their entire? Uh, work is, is that is that generally what do they what they do or do they write in sporadic sort of styles? Yeah, there are different people try out different styles. I will say, and the oh, interesting yeah. thing about this poet is they are hard to categorize because a lot of these poets they are often when you look back you go oh they were you know in, in the romantic movement and them and a oh. bunch of their friends all sort of tried a new art form together and pioneered it, that kind of thing. But this person's a bit of a lone wolf. <laughs> okay, I, I get it. Bit of a play, bit of a bachelor. I get it. I certainly understand it. Now, I think you do understand it because before we hit record, and I said, "Hey, we're doing a bit of poetry on this episode." You said, "Ah, oh, I've written some poetry before." And, big uh, time, big time. And you said that maybe you'd be willing to share some of that poetry, Mister Peterson. Well, I do know it off by heart, and <laughs> look, it's been—I reckon it's been nine years since I've um, recited this. But this is a poem that I wrote. All right, so I know, Dave. When you edit this, you might want to put some classical music under this. You might want to, you know, change the mood a little oh, bit absolutely. because if if this was on a stage, you'd be getting stage lighting. You'd say, "Can you bring me some red? Could I get a little bit of blue?" 
Could I get a little bit of blue right now? Bring it up to green at the end. Okay. Bring it up to green at the end. So, okay, so all right. So do what you want. If if you know if if you don't want music in there, that's up to you as well. But I I do want to say to anyone listening, uh, you might get emotional. You might, and that's and that's perfectly fine. Natural. It's it's natural for poetry to move you. Okay. Is basically what I'm saying. Thank you. So wherever you are, if you're no, if you're driving, pull over. Um, okay. You know, I'll, stop. I will have to do pull not, over. I will have to. Just yeah. If you, if you are operating heavy machinery, stop. Um, all right, so I imagine a lot of forklift drivers, um, the crossover with book cheat is quite immense. Um, basically right. a, diagram, a Venn diagram on top of each other, that one. Yeah. So you tell me when you're ready and I'll just, I'll just, I'll just launch into it if you like. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Peterson. <clears throat> and just imagine I'm opening up a book. Okay. And I'll take a moment. I'll take a moment because there is also power in silence. <laughs> this isn't the, this isn't, this isn't the, Okay, I'll I'll just go for it. A beautiful cow looking at me, its eyes the colour of the deep blue sea. Blood and guts roll by my foot, a frightening change from the dust and the soot. A head rolls by my ankles, it's a head of a cow, (laughs) off to be somebody's tea. Its eyes the colour of a disused sea. La la la. My first trip to the abattoir. Alright. And then that's when the green comes up. Oh, and fantastic. I'm left standing there, bare, raw, you for na- your pleasure. Are you naked? Ribbed for your pleasure. <laughs> Abs- always, always, I insist. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a that's a oh. poem I wrote uh, oh, oh, clicks quite, for you. Oh, quite yeah. a few years ago now. Yeah. And it's still it's still it's still in my head. Because I feel I, like good poetry doesn't go anywhere. So, ha- have you performed that somewhere? Is that why you remember it? I used to. I used to do it as stand up. So I used to. Um, I used to end it by ending a show <laughs> with it, like, um, like it was me kind of breaking out, like it was kind of showing that I had more to give. Um, <laughs> and when I stopped doing stand up, I obviously had to retire that poem. But it was, and I still believe, is one of the most powerful poems um, ever, ever written. <laughs> but is it true? I, that, I think that's fair to say. Is it true that you retired from stand up to focus full time on your poetry because it got an unexpected <laughs> reaction, <laughs> and it has not gone well. I'll be honest; I've I've lost a lot of money. <laughs> I love it. My favorite bit is you're like, oh, beautiful cow. Oh, suddenly blood and guts. All right. There we go. Well, you know, and that's the thing through the beauty of poetry. You can get attached to a cow in a few sentences, Dave. You can get attached to a cow and then all of a sudden it's dead. <laughs> it's on the floor. It's dead. Goodbye, you know? cow. Goodbye, cow. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's just a nice little poem that I thought, you know, for big fans of poetry would obviously understand um, that was beautiful. Well, thank you so much that for was, uh, yeah, well. being so open you know, mm. and honest. Vulnerable. I'm crying a little bit now, but you know, Me too. it was it was it was emotional to say. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all crying in some way. You can, oh, just so everyone knows, you can, you can start operating that heavy machinery again. You can turn the ignition back on and pull out. Just so you know. Well, thank you so much, Sam. It's going to be hard to top Pleasure. that, to be honest. But I am going to try and uh, oh read God. out some other poetry. Obviously, it will seem terrible by comparison, but that's the burden of we course, have here. Of course. Uh, today we are going oh to be God. talking about the life and work of a man that is arguably the most famous Welsh poet, Dylan Thomas. Uh, I thought you were going to say Sean Connery. (laughs) A famous Welsh poet. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you know anything about Dylan Thomas? No, I don't. Never never heard the name. Never heard the name. Uh, Well, I'm going to tell you he's equally famous for his personal life as his poetry. So I'm going to tell you a bit about his life and then read out three different poems from different periods. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And uh, just to give you a little sizzle here, the Poetry Foundation, which they should know their stuff, writes that Thomas... Well, they know me very well. I've I've submitted many times. (laughs) (laughs) Submitted and blocked many times. (laughs) I've been blocked many times. They have not returned a call. (laughs) Well, they write of Thomas. uh, I will ask them them for their opinion on you too, but their their opinion Mm. is... Thomas is famous for his acutely lyrical and emotional poetry, and the originality of his work makes categorization difficult. Oh wow! So they can't even define it. Yes, yeah, difficult. It's that good. It's it's, it's just defined as difficult. Difficult. That's right. Difficult to read. No idea what he's saying. No idea. I don't understand it. <laughs> well, 
Here is his early life, Sam. He's uh, Dylan Thomas was born on the 27th of October, 1914 in Swansea in Wales. He was Okay. I was born in Monash in Clayton, okay. Victoria. Similar mm-hmm. era? Very similar. Very, very similar um, surroundings, I think. But you were born in the same century. Exactly. Oh, yes, of course, yes. <laughs> uh, he was the son of Florence... Hannah, a seamstress, and David John Thomas, a teacher and English professor who would often recite Shakespeare, and that really uh, had an impression on the young Thomas. Absolutely. Shakespeare is one of my um, favourite duos of writers of all time, Shake and Spear. I think they're <laughs> absolutely phenomenal with the work they do. Did you ever follow their solo careers, or they're not much without each other? Uh, not much, not much. They went missing for seven years, both of them at a time. <laughs> difficult to follow, very difficult to follow. Okay, uh, his parents were bilingual in English and Welsh, but he they only spoke English at home, and he, throughout his career, would only write in English. Welsh is a very interesting language. I, I haven't heard it much. Oh, I've been to Wales once, and I'm not allowed back for reasons I won't go into <laughs> tonight. But there, but there were... There were it's, 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 a, it's a great language. It's really interesting to hear people speak it. And also the... The words, if you've ever seen, like, you know, the spelling of words, it's so hard, like, when you're looking at it oh, to, to like, pronounce like, it. Yeah, like, like a street a... sign for a very, very long yeah. town name or something. Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. really. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, beautiful language. Do you, do you, I know you speak it fluently if you want to give it a go. Uh, look, I don't want to embarrass uh, no, you. Don't, no, no, that's fair. That's I don't fair. want to bring back, uh, the, you know, the incident that you were banned for, which we <laughs> yeah, won't talk about. Yeah. So we won't talk about that. I simply cannot go into it. <laughs> for legal reasons. <laughs> Legal reasons I cannot go into. My lawyer is actually at the door right now. The lawyer is staying with me in these times because I can't go into it and he knows I will speak out. Yeah, you are handcuffed to a lawyer. (laughs) Well, to quote from Encyclopedia Britannica, Sam, one of our favourite sources online. um, Favourite book. Although he edited the school magazine, contributing poetry and prose to it, Thomas did badly at school since he was always intellectually lazy with regard to any subject that did not concern him. His practical knowledge... Same, babe. Yeah, I know you get it. And this is the same for you too, I'm sure. His practical <laughs> of knowledge course. of English poetry was enormous, however. Is well, I, I cannot relate to that. No, I cannot <laughs> relate to that. But, you know, I was never I was never good at school. I was, you know, I was awful. And I still haven't studied, Dave. I still never... I don't have, um, you know, your fancy law degree or your fancy degree i've done very well out of not studying but (laughs) you know i feel like i feel like having having that natural ability would also be quite an amazing quite an amazing thing to possess those skills but not studying law that hasn't stopped you from practicing law is that correct it has it's never stopped me from practicing and you know i never tell my clients that When, when I meet them. And that, that's been part of the battle. You know, that's been part of the uphill battle. And I will say, don't, don't watch Insiders this week. Don't watch Four Corners this week because they do not hear my side. And I was screaming, Dave. I was screaming my side from the sidelines the entire time while they were filming. And it's never stopped me. Never it's stopped. never stopped me. Do not watch A Current Affair, do Australia's not, do dodgiest lawyer. Do not watch that. Yeah, yeah. They call me Lord the Boar, and I hate it. They chase. They chase me for oh, days. Like I think trash. You know, <laughs> pigs, absolute Absolutely. philistines. Well, he he very much like you, Sam. Didn't like school, but mm. uh, he started writing poetry from a very early age. In fact, the bulk of his poetry came out before he turned twenty-one. <sighs> so okay, prolific, okay. pretty young. And uh, I wrote my poem when I was maybe twenty. Hey, that's great. Yeah, so pretty good. A lot of similarities here. Let's see if that continues on throughout your lives. Yep. Okay, yep. Interesting. Uh, The first stop on our poetry tour comes from when he was just 11 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is uh, one of his uh, earliest surviving poems, if not the earliest surviving poem, and it is called The Song of the Mischievous Dog. It's an amazing title. Already. I love the title it's so much. It's an amazing title. Yeah. <laughs> now, it's, it's quite a short poem. I want to hear poem. more about this dog. It's, it's quite a short poem about a dog. And uh, I'm going to read it to you uh-huh. now, Sam. Read it to you and the listeners. You've got a copy. Mm. I believe I've sent it to you online. Uh, yes, yes. And uh, if the good people at home would like to find a copy of this as well, in the description of this uh, episode, I've got all three poems that I'm going to read out. So uh, if you want to mm-hmm. go through it on your own watch, that's fine with me. 
Yeah, it's fun with me too. And just so you know, you can get in contact at sam.law <laughs> at gmail.com. Love how you got the at in there early. Oh, before. incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. Great work. So this is uh, <laughs> the song of the mischievous dog uh, written by an 11-year-old Dylan Thomas. Here we go. There are many who say that a dog has its day and a cat has a number of lives. There are others who I've think that a lobster is pink and that bees never work in their hives. There are fewer, of course, who insist that a horse has a horn and two humps on its head. And a fellow who jests that a mare can build nests is as rare as a donkey that's red. Yet in spite of all of this, I have moments of bliss, for I cherish a passion for bones. And though doubtful of biscuit, I'm willing to risk it and love to chase rabbits and stones. But my greatest delight is to take a good bite at a calf that is plump and delicious, and if I indulge in a bite and a bulge, let's hope you won't think me too vicious. Oh, bit sassy. Yeah. I like that. Sassy little bitch. Is that where is that where risk it to get the biscuit came from? Is that the first from an eleven year old maybe literary sighting of that? Hey, I haven't fact checked that, but I believe that that's true. Oh my god! Yeah, let's just safely say it's true. <laughs> he coined well, it. I quite like that because there's a lot. Like you know, there are many who say about the dog and everything, but fewer that say about the horn and two humps and it's it's fun and a donkey that's red. Yeah, you know, I, I don't it, understand it, but I like it. It's just nice. Well, I think he's going there. That uh, well, some people say this about other animals. In fact, some of them talk sure. a lot of shit about unicorns and and donkeys. Yeah. But really, dogs. <laughs> mm. And this is this is all I care. Dogs I just are the best. Find it a very nice little little poem for an. It's very good for an eleven-year-old. Would you say? Yes. Yeah. Very good. I'm very impressed by Dylan Thomas. Do you think he's got promise? He's got promise. He's got something. I don't know what happened in his later life, but at the moment, it's a hard <laughs> yes from me. If I was watching him on The Voice, I'd be turning around in my chair right about now. <laughs> turning around, being like, "Hey, mate. Sorry. Uh, can you sing?" Talking doesn't really Can work Can you sing here. or not? Because I don't like this beatbox sort of style <laughs> yeah. you're doing here. Doing spoken word on the voice. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like it still. If someone did that, I would be turning around for sure. Yeah. You'd be like, honestly, you've got a very nice voice, but it's not the voice. It's not the voice we're after. <laughs> we're after Guy Sebastian. <laughs> or his brother. Remember his brother won? Or was that the X Factor? Really? That was the X Factor. Is, is Guy Sebastian's brother a good singer as yeah, well? Yeah, so, and I believe Guy oh. was a judge on the show and then his brother won the show. <laughs> Very strange. Oh, I don't like that. I don't Very like that strange. one bit. Oh, yeah. That's dodgy. That's dodgy <laughs> material right Seems there. Seems odd. Yeah. Oh, so that's our first poem. I just find that very, just a fun little poem about a dog. I like it. Oh. Incredible stuff. But uh, at age 16, he left school to work as a reporter on the South Wales Evening Post. But at 18, he left that job and decided to embark on the not-so-lucrative career of being a full-time poet. Oh, didn't we all? And during his late teens, he wrote more than half of his collected poems that we still have. So, very prolific in these, in these couple of years. And then We didn't have a job. No, exactly. Well, you're right. You're right. That's, <laughs> what else did he have to do? Yeah. And at 20, he moved to London, won the Poets' Corner Book Prize and published his first book called 18 Poems. Uh, I'm not sure how many poems it contained. <laughs> I assume 18. Well, Adele ripped him off, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Adele's first album, 18 Poems. 18 Poems, one of the best, one of the best. Uh, this drew from a collection of poems written in his notebooks over the previous year. So he just put together his, his, his favourite list of poems and finally published it. Uh, the his po- own? Yes, he, he, he didn't do covers. Yes. Didn't do covers. Okay. I'd love to see some covers of some Actually, poems. that's not quite true because I did read that um, in his first collection, or in one of his first collections, mm. uh, he'd, I'm not sure if it's plagiarised, copied, or he'd written out a friend's poem and published it. And it wasn't until 30 or 40 years later that people found out when they found the original copy of the other guy's poem that they were like, hang on. So he was wow. he was covering another poet. I did that with an essay at school in, in year 12 in a literacy um, examination. And I, uh, yeah, I was covering my friend's <laughs> essay. I'm doing a cover. I'm paying the royalties. It's fine. <laughs> it was fine. I got it. But no, nah, they didn't like covers back then, but... 
Once again, that's why I got into law to fight injustice. Exactly. Or justice. For to fight, fight, fight one of them. To fight justice. <laughs> to fight justice. <laughs> now, the, the Poetry Foundation writes, uh, the originality of his work makes categorization difficult because in his mm. life he avoided becoming involved with literary groups or movements. And unlike other prominent writers of his day, he had little use for socialistic ideas in his art. So a lot of other writers, they're teaming up. They're, you know, talking about using... Like shaking spear. Yeah, they, they're shaking their spear. They're using their art for mm. change and sort of uh, social yeah. issues. But he's kind of like, I just like writing my poems. You know, I don't need to talk yeah. about these issues. I don't want to be a Yoko and a Ono. Exactly. I'm just going to do my own thing. And I, I, I doth my tip to him again. <laughs> yeah. A lovely tip, I said. <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely tip. <laughs> Thomas describes his technique in the letter. He says... I make one image, though make is not the right word. I let perhaps an image be made emotionally in me and then apply it to what intellectual and critical forces I possess. Let it breed another. Let that image contradict the first. Make of the third image bred out of the other two together a fourth contradictory image and let them all within my imposed formal limits conflict. I mean, uh, you understand. Seems now. like a very easy way to work. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Seems very simple and straightforward. Does seem like you read that and go, "All right, I uh, I'm not going to try and work like you do." No, <laughs> you can see That's why. A hard pass from other me. literary movements are like, "Yeah, we don't need you." Yeah, yeah, you are yeah. Difficult <laughs> to collab with. Yeah. <laughs> Two years after the publication of eighteen poems, Thomas met the dancer Caitlin McNamara at a pub in London. And okay. Another time, oh, she, where this is going? Yeah. Well, at the time, she was the mistress of a painter called Augustus John. But McNamara... Any relation to uh, yes. Augustus Gloop? Yes. That's his dad. <laughs> Related by first name. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a difficult one, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Pass it down. <laughs> <laughs> so despite this, so she's the mistress of a painter, McNamara and Thomas engaged in an affair. Mac McNamara or Macklemore? Uh, Macklemore. Well, it's Macklemore's mother. Macklemore's <laughs> mother. Passed on the Mac. Passed on the Mac. Okay, I get it. I'm on board. I'm on yeah, board. So you pass on the first bit. So we've got Augustus <laughs> and Mac. You get it. Yep, I get it. I'm on board. Despite being penniless and lacking the blessing of both of their parents, they married in 1937 and the couple had two sons and a daughter. Congratulations. Good, good on them. Good on them. I don't know if it's too late to say it, but congratulations. <laughs> hey, it's never too late. You're still <laughs> wishing people a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs> Every day. Every, Every damn day. <laughs> Getting in early, getting in late. Who cares? Covering your bases. <laughs> just a friendly guy. Yeah. Just... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, again, from our mates at Britannica, uh, his poetry written up to 1939 is concerned with introspective, obsessive, sexual and religious currents of feeling. And Thomas seems to be arguing rhetorically with himself on the subjects of sex and death, sin and redemption, the natural processes, creation and decay. And let's hear some of that now, Sam, with our second poem mm. called And Death Shall Have No Dominion. I was really hoping for a mischievous dog too. Part two. Every, Part two. Every so dog has his day. That mischievous dog. <laughs> Absolutely. Can have two days. Every dog has its day in court. That's on my <laughs> business card for my law, for my law practice. In brackets, I will represent your dog. I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely, every time I don't. I have no standards. Uh, so this one is a uh, and death shall have no dominion. It's a three stanza. A stanza being a group of lines, almost like a verse okay. on the page. Sure, 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 sure. So and it was published in May of 1933 in the New England Weekly when Thomas was 19 years old. So this is 8 years after the dog stuff. Great get, great get getting that magazine. That's amazing. Good on you. You got a hustle. Hey. You got a hustle. Ugh, don't we know it? Oh god, don't we know it. 
Now, this poem repeats the refrain, and death shall have no dominion, multiple times, uh, basically. Okay. I, I imagine when you're doing it live, you're getting people to join in on the chorus almost. It's called a hook. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. <laughs> <laughs> catchy. It's catchy stuff. <laughs> it's so catchy. Well, this repetition has been labelled as an homage to the era of romanticism from the end of the yeah. 18th century. So... Uh, Quite a bit earlier than this was written. Essentially, the poem is about standing up against the power of death. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fight the power. Fight death. Fight death. <laughs> uh, but, uh, fight death, of course, Dominion meaning uh, sovereignty or control. Uh, death is not all-powerful. And uh, <sighs> Absolutely not. I'm always saying that. He, he actually stole that from me. I always say that. <laughs> yeah, that's one of yours. That's one of mine. That's one of mine. That's one of mine. <laughs> Uh, what I'm going to do with this one is uh, read out each stanza and then uh, it's it's uh, slightly more cryptic than the dog one. So I'm going to break it down after mm. each stanza. And uh, honestly, sure. my interpretation could be wrong here. So let's have a crack. <laughs> so this is, uh, and death shall have no dominion, stanza one. And we're going to open with that great line. Mm. And death shall have no dominion. Dead men naked, they shall be one with the man in the wind and the west moon. When their bones are picked clean and the clean bones gone, they shall have stars at elbow and foot. Though they go mad, they shall be sane. Though they sink through the sea, they shall rise again. Though lovers be lost, love shall not, and death shall have no dominion. Okay, so that's the first mm, stanza. Beautiful stuff. And what he's talking about there is what I believe is he's talking about how death shall bring all men together. It's a universal experience, Sam. We're all going to feel that one day. Mm. Mm. I've all th- I've always thought that, but is it uh is it is it meaning that death is not the end as well? Yes, that's is right. that what he's trying to yes, say that he believes there's an afterlife of some yes. of some kind, something to look forward to. And once our we die and our bones are gone, it doesn't matter because we'll be up with the star together in the next life. Well, that's a nice thing. It's a isn't nice it? thought, At the end isn't of it? The day that's a good thing. Absolutely, it's lovely. And I do, I so do. Dylan's quite he's quite an optimist. Yes, looking, looking, trying to find the best in death. Yep. And I do love Absolutely. the line, though lovers be lost, love shall not. It was like almost, although people die, love goes on. Mm. That's yeah. nice. Was he, was he making cash as a, as, a, as a poet? No, not really. Sadly, he had a lot of financial trouble throughout his life. Doesn't surprise me, he was a poet. <laughs> yeah, I know. Sadly, <laughs> despite being uh, <laughs> you know, very famous, he still... yeah. Bit of a, it's, it's almost like if he can't make it, who can? You know? Who can in this goddamn world? Gaga? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Great poet. Great poet. Today's poet. Oh, today's poet. Yeah, of course. All right, let's move on to stanza two. Mm. Again. And death shall have no dominion under the windings of the sea. He's banging on about that. <laughs> no, it's, 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 he's, he's, he's made his point. He can yeah. stop banging on about that. You get that. a good line and you keep repeating it. Yeah, well, I've heard watermelon sugar high many times, and it's the same thing, Dave. It's the same structure. Yep. I've heard this before. Open with the chorus. Get him in. <laughs> so it's, and death shall have no dominion under the windings of the sea. They lying long shall not die windily, twisting on racks when sinews give way, strapped to a wheel, yet they shall not break. Faith in their hands shall snap in two. And the unicorn evils run them through. Split all ends up, they shan't crack. And death shall have no dominion. He's always coming back to that. He's always coming back and to also, death shall have no dominion. I've only just realised uh, for the first time that he's. this is the second poem in a row now that he's mentioned unicorns. Because he mentioned them in the, the dog one too about horses with horns mm. on them. He's unicorn obsessed. He's obsessed with these unicorns. What's going on? He's probably tripping on E back then. <laughs> tripping on some 1930s E. Oh, my god. The good stuff. Of course. Much more pure back then, of yeah, course. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> the E of today. Yeah. So this stanza, he's talking about different ways people meet their deaths. There's not so windily, which is quite nice, compared to uh, the rack or the wheel, which are medieval torture devices that have horrible deaths. Very painful Mm. Painful ways to do But he says They shan't crack And death shall have no dominion Even though they have suffered These horrible deaths They won't break completely Because let's not forget Death ain't having No dominion 
It ain't. It ain't. It ain't. And and you know, I love the the film The Minions, but <laughs> Dominion. I'm not sold on them. I'm not sold on them. You know, you you know that's one of my favorite films. Every time you come over, I make you watch it. <laughs> Dominion sounds like like one of their rap names. Dominions. It's ladies and gentlemen, Dominions. Dominions. <laughs> it's catchy. It's, it's very catchy. catchy. All right, fi- Who's your favorite rapper, by the way? Uh, ooh, apart from Dominion, Modern poets. Um, I'd yeah. say Coolio. Oh, very nice. <laughs> Mine's Joel Turner. Ever heard of these oh, kids? Joel Turner and the modern day poets. Captain and a struggling. <laughs> Yeah, they are the modern band, day poets. Band was called the modern day poets. <laughs> yeah, trapped in a struggling, nowhere to head, none. Half of the trouble is nobody knows the pain and suffering they go through. I think they're the lyrics. Oh, I love. So for people who don't I'm know, pretty sure Joel Turner was it. Oh, uh, Dave, they will, they will know. <laughs> they know. They will know their king. Do you think bow down, the bitches? The forklift drivers that listen to this podcast know Joel Turner and the modern day poets. Sorry, you've got a triple M crowd. I forgot. Sorry. <laughs> So um, wait, was he was a teenage rapper slash beatboxer on the first season of Australian Idol who um, absolutely endeared himself t- to obviously Sam and I. <laughs> we remember it. <laughs> yeah, he, was, he was a beatboxing kid. That was his thing. Um, he, he beatboxed under the whole track and he was known as a beatboxer and this was like his breakout hit. But the breakout hit never went anywhere. And I'm always like, what's... What's Joel Turner doing now? We know what Rob Millsy Mills is up to. We know what Casey Don's up to. We know what Guy's up to. We know what Shannon's up to. But what what happened to Australia's sweetheart of rap? And I've called him that. No one else has ever called him that. Uh, the queen of rap, Joel Turner. What happened to him? I mean, is there a podcast in trying it's, to find Joel Turner and the modern day poets? I think, well, I think there is now. I think we just started one. Congratulations, you've just become the owner of a podcast. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. Let's track that. That's how you get one. I give people podcasts. That's what my role is day to day. I go on other people's podcasts and I give them a new one. I'll, well, Sam, I've Googled Joel Turner. Where is he now? And there's <laughs> yeah. a Daily Mail article from but two months ago called What Happened oh to Joel goodness. Turner? Famous These Kids Beatboxing Teen from Australian Idol is all... This is a long headline. All grown up now and you will never, capital letters, believe what he looks like. I will never believe that. You will and never And I may believe. never know. Oh, my well, God. I don't think Jeez. I'll... Ne- Did you click on it? Well, you'll never know because there's so many ads on this website that I'm having, oh, having yeah. trouble... It's goddamn clickbait. It's goddamn clickbait. They just want us to look into it. They know that there'll be two people Googling Joel Turner. It's you and I, Dave, every month. <laughs> They've seen those stats and they look good. <laughs> what the what the hell is he doing day to day? Well, it says here that it uh, looks like he's still in contact with Mark Holden, one of the judges of Australian Idol. And uh, I've been to that guy's house. Have I told you this? <laughs> Let's talk about that. What happened? Oh, I don't know how much I can go into it. But anyway, but I went, I went to his place. <laughs> that sounds so weird. His, his house. His house, the front room of his house, is completely dedicated to Vanessa Amorossi. What do you mean? Like she is staying there? Or? He, he produced her hit single, Shine. In fact, he wrote it. Uh-huh. So she and ev- absolutely everybody, 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 uh, absolutely everybody, um, we're absolute banger. And I, he was her producer. So he actually founded Vanessa Amorossi, as far as I know. Like, they were, yeah, and so he's got, but, but Mark Holden had a little bit of time where he was a, he's a lawyer, do you know that? Oh, right, but he, has he been to uni or yeah. has he done the Sam Peterson way? Uh, very much, very similar to me. <laughs> and um, and he's wanted by certain parties as well. Um, and we had a big court case together, that's why I can't go into it. But he, he had a bit of a, a thing on, I asked him about it on... Um, what was it? It was, he had some sort of meltdown on TV where he was on Dancing with the Stars and he was dressed up a clown and he had a meltdown. And I was like, what was going on with that? And he just kept saying that he got so into character. I was like, right. And then the next week he was Vladimir Putin and, um, and he was into character (laughs) for that as well. And I was like, I reckon you could just maybe not get into characters. Like if you're gonna be a clown and then Vladimir, like it's it's like why why would you put on these um, b- 
beautiful, beautiful costumes and dance dance your heart out. But yeah, but he he had a rough run, I think, after Australian Idol. Oh right. Apart from becoming a highly respected lawyer like myself. Well, it's I mean, it's saying here that he's still in contact with uh, with old Joel Turner and is even reportedly uh, making a documentary to do with Joel. So there you go. <laughs> Well, we are one degree of separation from Mark Holden. No, no, from Joel Turner. Oh, we can meet him can, for our new podcast. Series. We get on, we get on the blower after this, and we call Mark. He'll be up, <laughs> and um, and actually, right here, he gave me a DVD. It's called The Holden Circus. Can you see that? Yes. What is that? He travelled with his brothers, the Holdens. And they um, they made an album after Australian Idol, and uh, this is a little plug for Mark, <laughs> the the Holden Bros <laughs> Traveling Circus, and he gave me this, and um, yeah, it's it's long, it's a lot of lot of discs, um, it's a box set of um, of Mark Holden's greatest hits. So, and have you ever watched it? No. Nope. But if anyone <laughs> on um, if anyone on your podcast wants that. Um, the 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 question to win that is do you want it? And Dave, if any of your guests answer correctly, that is all yours. I've, I've got four answers here, and they all say no. Is yep. is that right? <laughs> okay, <laughs> they can still have it. You send me the address, and they can have it. Like, well, there's enough for a disc each. There is so much there. <laughs> all right, let's finish this poem. There's one stanza about death to mm. go. And you'll never believe what the opening line of this stanza is. Oh, my goodness. I cannot wait. If it's a rap band, Dominions, I cannot wait. <laughs> it is. Final bit is bringing us home. And death shall have no dominion. No oh more. God, move on. <laughs> no more may gulls cry at their ears or waves break loud on the seashores. Where blew a flower, may a flower no more lift its head to the blows of the rain. Though they be mad and dead as nails, Heads of the characters hammer through daisies, break in the sun till the sun breaks down, and death shall have no dominion. I oh, look. I don't mind that as a poem. I reckon that's all right. You, you happy with that? Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't sound like a scholar saying that. It's <laughs> all right, but I, I, I quite like that. You know, it, it's it's quite it's quite nice. My my favorite poem of all time is. Um, W H uh, Auden is it W H Auden? Um, Stop the clocks, um, and it is my favourite poem. Let me let me look it up right now. Oh please! And I'll, I'll read I'll read it to you. Um, not the whole thing; it's quite long. But um, <laughs> I, no, I'll read I'll read the whole thing to you. This is and it kind of reminds me of it, right? So, stop all the clocks, cut off the telephone, prevent the dog from barking with the juicy bones, silence the pianos, and with a muffled drum. Bring out the coffin, let the mourners come. Let aeroplanes circle moaning overhead, scribbling on the sky the message he is dead. Put crepe bows round the white necks of public doves. Let the traffic policemen wear black cotton gloves. He was my north, my south, my east and west, my working week and my Sunday rest. My noon, my midnight, my talk, my song. I thought that love would last forever. I was wrong. The stars are not wanted now. Put out every one. Pack up the moon and dismantle the sun. Pour away the ocean and sweep up the wood, for nothing now can ever come to any good. Very nice. So a, isn't that nice? It's a beautiful poem. Like, um, yeah, talking about death and, and, you know, and it's a really popular um, funeral poem. A lot of people read it at, at funerals. And it is it is a really beautiful poem every time i hear it i'm like oh that's a really no especially like dismantling the sun and everything like it's a really and i've tried that it's very hard um <laughs> but it is it is it is one of those poems where you're like oh wow that's um you 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 start to see how beautiful poetry can actually be like for all the you know for people who don't really like poetry and and you know and all fans of mine who who um have followed my poetry career for many years and your law career um and my of course my um formerly disgraced law career um <laughs> you can you can actually appreciate poetry even if you're not a really big fan of or, or know much about it really like if you can understand it that's all you need really yeah absolutely. or you can find some interpretation of your own that i i, I quite like the dominion um poem 
not as catchy as a mysterious dog. Yeah. Because you know <laughs> I love mystery and dogs. Me too. You know that about me. But it's quite nice. So that's uh, the second uh, poem we've got there. Now, in 1940, Thomas and his wife moved to London. Uh, oh, the Big Apple. The big, exactly. As they that's, call what it. They that's what they call it. The Big Apple. <laughs> the Big Apple. <laughs> Never I would love to go to London when we can travel again and just start walking around going, The Big Apple, huh? <laughs> hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that statue? That statue. Where's that statue? The Mona Lisa or something? <laughs> no, not the Mona Lisa. The Mona Lisa? The Mona Lisa? Leaning Tower of Ben? Yeah, that's Where it. Is this? Leaning Tower of Ben, that's one. <laughs> <laughs> now, by this time he'd served in World War II as an anti-aircraft gunner But was rejected for more active combat due to illness and a lung condition And then to quote again from our old mate Britannica Which is a bit brutal here Usually they're quite, they're quite measured But they write here Unfortunately, he was totally lacking in any sort of business acumen So he was terrible at business uh, He fell. Wow, we've all been there <laughs> Making accusations like that <laughs> yeah. About my law degree all right. He fell behind on paying income tax And the money he made writing scripts for the BBC Was quickly taken by that evil, evil tax man oh, I know about him, I've fucking heard of him mate. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's, com- he's coming knock him. I know him well <laughs> he's, he's, he's been knocking every day, don't worry about that <laughs> I'm not sure if you had to do this He had to borrow money from wealthy friends Yes, uh Julian Burnside and I have, um, and I hacked his Twitter recently um, to get back at him. Um, but Julian and I have had many Chiantis late at night. Oh, very nice. Good to have support. <laughs> and, oh my goodness. He's always there for a shoulder to cry on, but uh, very tight with his cash, some would say. Well, Not me. I'd never say that. You mentioned Chianti. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Chiantis there, Sam. Well, he also mm, started absolutely. drinking more, something that I haven't. Mentioned yet is he became quite notorious for his drinking as his life progressed. In the army? Uh, this is after his discharge from the army. But he's drinking the whole time, but then he... Oh, he was discharged from the army too. Just like you? The similarities between him and I <laughs> never end. This is crazy. Wow. Uh, it was through this notorious drinking, he became a, a living legend in literary circles. Uh, his... Oh, yeah. The readings of his poetry. So he gave these live readings and they were popular and gave him mass appeal. And the Poetry Foundation writes, his drinking, his democratic tendencies and the frank sexual imagery of his poetry made him the focal point of an in- ill-defined artistic rebellion. So he became a Ooh, bit of a, a bad, post- boy. bad boy, a poster boy for being bad. I love that. Do you remember there was a, there was a guy in uh, Melbourne and uh, he made a terrible decision in comedy where he made a um, a debate about a topic that he shouldn't have been debating and he, uh, after that, was just banned from every room in, in comedy because no one wanted to work with him. And so instead of just being like, oh, maybe I've made a mistake, he started calling himself the bad boy (laughs) of Australian comedy and started wearing a leather jacket. (laughs) So I was like, what a loser. But yeah, that's what he did. That's what he, yeah, he was like, I'm now the bad boy. So maybe um, Dylan Thomas was quite similar. I'm still wearing that leather jacket to this day, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) And it suits you, baby doll. You look fantastic. So yeah, so he gets drunk and he reads out his poetry very passionately and people are like, this guy is cool. Yes, he is very cool. He's very cool. But things in his personal life, Sam Sadly, were not going so well. In uh, 1947, he had what would seem to be a nervous breakdown, but refused psychiatric assistance. He instead mm. moved to Oxford. Same. Yeah, parallels. If you, he <laughs> moved to Oxford. We've all been there. Where he yep. was uh, given a cottage by a distinguished historian, A.J.P. Taylor, whose wife also paid for a cottage for him in Wales. So he just must have been very charismatic, very likable, because there's at least two incidents here where people have just bought him a house because they like him. Yeah, Julian, I asked Julian Burnside to do that for me, <laughs> and uh, he would he would not return my calls. Well, he's not a true lover of the arts, is he? <laughs> he's not. He's, uh, he's an animal, and you can print that. You can print that in any of your articles that you're oh, well. writing tonight. Right into the Daily Mail as we speak. 
<laughs> uh, but he kept traveling to London for BBC work because between 1945 and 1949, he wrote, narrated, or assisted with over 100 radio broadcasts. So that's how he's paying the bills. Okay, that's interesting. That's a that's a cool way to make money. But the travel, even though he was a raging alcoholic, yes. and angry man, love yeah, that. The problem is that the travel back and forth was grueling because he's either going from Wales or Oxford to London and back all the time, and the trips were increasingly soaked in alcohol. So he just kept drinking more and more and more. Then what's in- going on, Dylan? Who broke your heart, my friend? Who broke your heart? <laughs> Dominions, probably. Dominions. Those little bastards. <laughs> Oh god, they're funny, but they're they're cruel. Yeah, I've always found that <laughs> very funny. Very funny though. Show me the face of someone that says Dominions aren't funny, and I'll show you the face of a barefaced liar. Don't want to get. <laughs> In uh, January 1950, now 35 years old, Thomas visited America for the first time, where he undertook reading tours, which again popularized the medium. So he made reading poetry popular because his readings were notorious. Cool. He was theatrical as he read his work aloud with feeling, but he also engaged in roaring disputes in public. So he wasn't wasn't afraid. It wasn't always fun to be around. Yes, wasn't afraid to have a go at someone in public. Sure. And sure. he drank. Same. Same. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's you. And he drank a lot. Yeah. Like a lot. Sure. Yeah. And he wow. would do that before his readings, which shocked people that he'd get up there. There's been speculation that he actually pretended to be more inebriated than he really was, but um, he was drinking a lot. I know a lot of comedians like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I've had so much to drink. Anyway, I'm driving home now. Okay, David Hughes. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the controversy and unknown of what would happen at his gigs intrigued and brought in more audience members. And it also encouraged him to be more wild. He sort of... You know, starts believing his own hype kind of thing. Sure. And his wife, Caitlin, wrote in her memoirs, nobody ever needed encouragement less, and he was drowned in it. God. So, so, so support was overwhelming for Dylan Lewis. Dylan, Dylan Lewis, <laughs> Dylan Thomas. <laughs> Dylan Lewis is an Australian radio presenter. Yeah. Open, Very different. He opened for him. Yeah, of course. <laughs> the, t- the two Dylans. <laughs> That's what I call them. Not as popular as the two Ronnies. <laughs> Uh, he visited 40 venues on the tour, uh, which would be the first of four tours he would undertake. And many recordings still survive. In fact, Dylan Thomas is on Spotify, Sam. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'll be looking him up. Check him out. Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah, I'll run to it. Including, and in his most played song, is a, a reading of his most famous and enduring poem, Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Ooh, that's quite a sexy title. It's a very, it's a great title, isn't it? Uh, it was first great title. It was first published in 1951 and concerns itself. He's obsessed with death. Remember, with the end of life and the personal struggle to hang on to that life for as long as possible. Sort of in, right, in, okay. encouraging who the the narrator is talking to to resist death until the very end. And people have speculated that it was written about his own father who died a year after it was published. And in fact, it mentions father. So. That's why people think that. Oh, of course. Now, in terms of structure, this poem is an example and apparently probably the most famous English example of a villanelle, which is a form of poetry Mm. first conceived in 17th century France. I've heard of it. Uh, Really? Very good. Yeah, (laughs) I've heard of it. I've heard of France in the 17th century. (laughs) Uh, Today, this type of poem is uncommon uh, basically because... There's so many rules. It's quite rigid. It is a poem written in six stanzas where the first five have three lines and then the final one has four. And there's also these other rules for what bits have to rhyme. But um, Wow. I wonder why they're making, making it harder to write poetry. Yeah, I think some people love writing to a structure, but this one yeah. seems like there's too much structure. Brutal. Yeah, right. Now, I'm going to read this one to you, Sam, but... If you or the, the dear listener uh, are interested, I would suggest looking it up either on YouTube or on Spotify. You can hear him read it, and he's, I must say, a better at reading his own poetry than I am. I'll say that. Very drunk, but he does a good <laughs> yes. He says, do not go gentle. He sounds amazing. It's awesome. <laughs> I love it. Wow, great. Okay. But I'll read it in my voice because uh, that's the voice that I own the copyright of. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the final 
Final poem from Dylan Thomas is his most famous, mm. Do Not Go Gentle Into That Good Night. Here we go. <clears throat> Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end know dark is right, because their words had forked no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men, the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see with blinding sight Blind eyes could ablaze with meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height, curse, bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And that's that's the poem. Quite not. I, I, I think in your reading, this is just one note. You can take this. You can leave this. I think the last one should have been rage, rage, r- 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 rage. You know, like you could have really, yeah. Yeah. Oh, honestly, <laughs> you could have really brought that home. But you know, that, that's my interpretation. As a poet, as a lawyer, as a fraudulent man, <laughs> that would be so good. Rage, rage. So yeah, that's that's that is his most famous poem. Um, and yeah, I think it's it's very very. Again, very, very beautiful language, disencouraging someone yeah. who's obviously at death's door saying, please, don't go now. You just hang on. Fight yeah. it. Fight it if you can. Yeah, I really like him. I think he's a good, I think he's a good poet, you know? Right, he's got promise? Like, I think he's got promise. I think if he sticks at it for a few more years, he could really be incredible at what he does. He could be a Banjo Patterson type. Oh, yes. He could yes. be a W.H. Auden type. He could be me in 10 years. If you really worked at it and only had one poem. (laughs) Well, let's find out. Uh, So that poem is quoted in a lot of media being his most famous. And it's one of the the most famous of the 20th century. It's it's in uh, Doctor Who have referenced it. Mad Men, Modern Family, the film Interstellar have all included references. But obviously the most endearing, the ultimate tribute to Dylan Thomas came in 1996 when in the film Independence Day, before the attack on the aliens... The president, played by Bill Pullman, says, we will not go quietly into the night. And then the crowd applauds. Obviously, a touching tribute. Beautiful tribute. Beautiful (laughs) tribute. Incredible stuff. And what an incredible film as well. Great movie. I believe written by Dylan Thomas himself. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's true. I haven't checked that, but I imagine that's true. Sometimes it's good to just have a shot in the dark. (laughs) Could be true. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So not long after this, Sam, in 1953, he created his other most famous work, which is called Under Milk Wood, which was dubbed by him Mm. a play for voices. Initially a radio drama commissioned by the BBC, it was later adapted for the stage. We did it in uh, in year 11. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I wasn't in it. Um, Yeah, so I had no interest. But... um, but yeah, our school did under Milkwood in in year eleven. Oh, very very wordy. I remember it being yes, because it is like it's sort of people uh, in a, a, a fictional Welsh Welsh fishing village. You can hear their thoughts and dreams, mm. uh, and it's called. I've also seen a pr- production of it, mm. and the, the hometown that it's setting set in is fictional. It's called Laragub, with a double L, uh, which is actually bugger all backwards. So. Clever, very <laughs> clever stuff. Very clever. He's smart. He's very smart. I read his uh, his relationship with his homeland of Wales was a fraught one. He famously mm. said, "The land of my fathers, my fathers can have it." So, put, very put, witty, very Oscar yes, Wilde esque. The Welsh yeah. Oscar Wilde. Yeah. He um. What was what was Oscar Wilde's dying words where he was like um. Someone said oh, something about the wallpaper. When he was dying, is the curtains? Was it curtains? Yeah. <laughs> Can someone change the curtains or something? I'll be going, but so should the curtains <laughs> yeah. or something like that. <laughs> Classic stuff from Oscar. 
Classic stuff from Dylan. They've got some good gear. They've got good gear. Yeah, so he would often be... Because <laughs> he was the most famous Welsh poet of, poet of his day and still is. Um, I think he'd often... He didn't like being called a Welsh poet because he was like, ah, whatever. <laughs> well, just a poet. Yeah, right. Oh, that's so interesting. That was obviously before Rob Brydon came out of Wales. Yeah, that's right. He ch- yeah. changed, changed everything. <laughs> he, changed, he changed the scene. He changed it up. <laughs> Uh, so, under Milkwood's the second most fa- uh, most endearing thing. Sadly for Thomas, he would not live long enough to hear the BBC radio production led by acting legend Richard Burton. Because oh my goodness, he uh, Thomas again travelled to New York City, but this time it would seem the drinking caught up with him. His final public engagement took place at the City College of New York, but a few days later he collapsed in the Chelsea Hotel after a long drinking bout at the White House Tavern. And he died November the 9th, 1953. He was just 39 years old. Wow. And we just talked about Oscar Wilde's last words. Notoriously, mm. Dylan Thomas's last words had apparently been, I've had 18 straight whiskeys. I think that's the record. <laughs> so. That's good. That's good. He left on a high. Yeah. I like that. Went out on top. Went out on top. 18 whiskeys, imagine. <laughs> Unbelievable. What a guy. <laughs> An autopsy was conducted and indicated that pneumonia was the primary cause of death, but many believe... Oh, they could check that again, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Many believe that it was uh, side effects of alcohol, at least alcohol-related. Sure. And there's been lots of speculation over the decades. There's been books written about what how he died, but tragically... It seems he'd well and truly lived up to his lifelong reputation as a drunken and doomed poet. Basically, the way he lived his life, everyone knew this was going to happen. Yeah, sure. Well, congratulations to him. I think he lived the life he wanted to live. Yeah, and, you know, very prolific to have work that's, uh, you know, endured to this day. And he was just 39. Uh, He was buried in Larn in Wales. But such was his influence after his death that almost 30 years later, a plaque to Dylan was unveiled in the famous Poet's Corner of Westminster Abbey. So that's a incredible, really big tribute. Uh, Thomas's widow, Caitlin, died in 1994, 41 years after her husband, and she was buried alongside him. Wow. Ford, Ford, so, so she outlived him by a long... remarried? Not that I know of, no. And the, yeah, right. And the, the three kids lived to... Sort of the the early 2000s. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, in 2014, this is the final note on Thomas, to celebrate the centenary of his birth, the British Council Wales undertook a year-long program of cultural and educational works, which included a 36-hour marathon of readings, which included Michael Sheen and Sir Ian McKellen performing his work. Oh my goodness! Can't be in better company than that. No, not bad. Unless you included Ashaketty <laughs> and uh, anyone else, any any other you know huge huge star. I'm going to say Daryl Summers. Oh, get him in there. You know, oh my god, if he could, he would. You know, <laughs> if he wasn't too busy working on the Hey Hate Saturday reboot right now, he would have been there for <laughs> Which sure. Which I thought was a prank article when I first saw it, but there you go. <laughs> it does sound like one, but it's absolutely not. <laughs> Oh, that's the life of Dylan Thomas. Um, yeah, like I say, he's probably the most famous Welsh poet to this day. Wow! And one of the most, one of the most, yeah, loved and quoted of the British poets. Very impressive. Very impressive person. I'm. I'm yeah, I think that's uh, kind of like the um, the life that you'd think a poet would lead. Yes. Yes. You so- know, like especially in that in that time. Yeah, sort of um, tinged with sadness all the way through, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, very depressing, but also very nice poetry that 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 comes out of that. Like especially that last one, the "Do not go gentle into that good night" is is, is a very nice poem. Yes, and um, I would implore people if they yeah to to look it up and hear. It only takes about a minute and a half or two minutes for him to read the whole thing in his uh, his lovely voice. But yeah, yeah, it's very very nice. Oh, that's great. Oh, wow. Well, thank you for teaching me beautiful poetry tonight. And thank you for allowing me to share with you my beautiful poetry. And uh, your stories of uh, law law school. Gone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, Sammy, I really appreciate you coming on the second ever episode of Poetry Cheat. And if there is anyone out there who would like me to uh, cover a specific poet or a poem, you can uh, suggest that by clicking the link in the description of this episode. Love to hear from you. And uh, Sammy, we'd love to hear more from you. And we can every single week on your fantastic podcast, Confessions of the Idiots. Confessions of the Idiots, where each week I find the most ridiculous online confessions to pick apart with guests every week. I don't know when this podcast comes out, but the most recent one that was released when we were recording this was an episode with um, horrible person, uh, but very funny, (laughs) Jess Perkins, and um, the quite nice Mr. Sunday Movies. And it is the first podcast I've ever recorded in over three years where I am cry laughing through the oddest confession I've ever found online. Um, Guests are always amazing. You've been on so many times with the great uh, comedian Stephen Hall. Yes, have Um, a great time and I love it. Stephen Curry and Dave Lawson are the top two guests. um, And it is it is uh, a fun a fun show. So Confessions of the Idiots every Sunday episodes come out. Um, so yeah, you can subscribe on all of the all of the podcast apps. And if there are any uh, QCs listening, um, please do help <laughs> me be reinstated. Thank you so much. Big shout out to all the QCs <laughs> and Julian. If you're listening, don't at me, mate. Don't <laughs> don't come at me for anything I've said during this podcast. Well, Sammy, thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, I will say, as I always say at the end of this, well, you say I say books forever, but I'm going to change that slightly. And I'm going to say, thank you so much, Sammy. And poetry forever! Hell yeah! (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.